Hello and welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. This is really going to be an Inter versus Lazio episode, but I don't know if we'll be at each other's throats or if we'll all just hold hands. We'll do the twinning curvas. We'll just get along today. I mean, you know, if Jerry and I can get along, then I think our whole panel can get along. I'm Alex Dono. Uh, you maybe wouldn't know based on my really bland setting today, but I am uh, an Interista. I don't have my fancy background. I'm not even wearing any Inter gear. I'm just uh, all plain today alongside my co-host, as always, everyone's favorite Laziale. In fact, Jerry, you were just telling us off air that you're even getting compliments from Roma fans. Right? I don't know if that's something you should be proud of as a Lazio supporter, but even Roma fans like you. Well, I have a few that one one guy named Chris Pucci is a very nice guy. I think the thing that we have in common is that he's an Oilers fan and he lives in Edmonton. So I, can, I guess that's kind of like the balance we have. There's there's Steven that we've dealt with before. There's a few Roma fans that are very respectful to me and don't give me a hard time. It's just Milan and Juventus I can't deal with, man. <laughs> and it's weird. It's weird because even Nando would say, how does a Romanisti respect you? But you, you, it's Milan or Juventus. Well, first off, Juventus are cheaters. And they're I fucking hate them. More evidence to that today, by the way. Yeah, exactly. I, I just can't stand Juventus since I was young. And Milan... Well, everybody hears the same story from me. I have a friend who always used to chirp me when Lazio would, would lose to Milan. Oh, Lazio lost, and I have to hear it for half a freaking hour, all day, all night. And it's like, fuck off. And it's like, Roma fans don't chirp me. I don't hear anything. Even like uh, our friend there, John, um, just his name went, just went blank on me now. Um, who, uh, John uh, McDonough? Yeah. He... he, he he he's all fun and games, man. If people take that guy serious, they're crazy. That guy's one of the the I'm gonna be honest, one of the best Roma fans I've ever met because he just likes to chirp, but he means it all in good faith. So, you know what, Nando, you said something good on, on uh, offline. I think it's the fact that Milan fans are just so relishing 2007 and still thinking about almost two decades ago. I think you have a good point there. <laughs> and, and people people will tell me that I'm living in the past for still talking about the treble that Inter won 10 years ago, and then we have Milan fans living 13 years in the past. But uh, th- th- that's a good segue to introduce Nando. Uh, he's going to be the, the extra Laziale on the panel today. Uh, Nando, how you been, man? I've been good. I've been good, Alex. How about you, man? Everything's good? Yeah, I can't complain. I can't. We also have Inter representation on this episode making his maiden voyage on the pod. You know him on Twitter as Jordan Belford, but he's not the Wolf of Wall Street. He's Gianfranco joining us. How you doing, man? Good. Good to, good to be here, finally. Um, listen, next week is going to be the decisive week, I think. Um, we had a horrible start in the Champions League. It's unforgivable what Conte is doing. But if he manages to get us out of the group, I think I think we're square, at least for now. Um, I think that Milan's form right now is... Um, not sustainable. I think that we can still catch them, but I think it'd be a huge, huge disappointment if we don't make the next round. It's been already two consecutive eliminations in the group, and uh, this on paper it's an easier group. There's no excuse not to uh, make it out when you have uh, Borussia and you have Shakhtar. We we've spent so much money that uh, I, there's really no excuse, especially when you leave Ericsson on the bench for. Uh, for the, for the entirety of, of important games, and you have Gallardini as a starter. There's, 
there's times where I can't understand Conte. He keeps uh, all the same players for 85 minutes. He makes no changes. But again, if he gets past uh, Shakhtar on Wednesday, all is forgiven, at least temporarily. But uh, but this is going to be a decisive week. Um, against Borussia, my heart was racing for about 95 minutes. It was uh, absolute torture. But uh, but thank God we got the result. Um, again, Inter can never win easy with a when Young had the chance to make it 4-2 and put the game away, I just knew he was going to miss. I even told my brother, now they're going to equalize. That's just like the typical inter, but we got a little bit lucky. I mean, it was the right call. Um, it was an offside goal, but we have to be very careful. Let, let me, uh, I got something I want to throw at you and also at the Laziale because this, uh, the Laziale, this is a topic that uh, that kind of meshes Inter and Lazio together. Jerry, you remember uh, the question that uh, our buddy Joe Fischetti from Forza Napoli Pod, he asked uh, me this, and I know you weighed in on it as well in, in a group chat that we have. Joe was asking me, you know, at some point in the future, uh, maybe this summer or whenever, if I would actually like to see Simone Inzaghi managing Inter. Um, now, you know, I, I didn't have to think about it for very long, uh, and, and I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on uh, on Inzaghi's long-term future at Lazio. And I think there could be a long-term future because he seems to really enjoy it there, and he's he's done a great job. Um, I, I think if Inter were to have the opportunity, let's say this summer, you know, to say goodbye to Conte and replace him with a guy like Simone Inzaghi, there's one positive is you're not going to have to drastically change the squad because he would run a 3-5-2. So you already have players to play in a 3-5-2. Uh, and and honestly, uh, Inzaghi has proven to be more level-headed uh, than Conte, and I think Simone Inzaghi could probably grind out similar, if not better, results than Conte for less than half the price, right? Because I mean, maybe the most that the most that he might command command would be maybe five million per season compared to Conte's twelve million per season. So uh, before we get the Laziali take on it, uh, Gianfranco, I know it, it doesn't really sound like you're a huge. Conte fan, so if the opportunity were to come, let's say, this summer to replace him with Simone Inzaghi, do you jump at that? I think there's other options, and again, we have to look at who's available. Um, Allegri has been out of work since 2019. I don't think he'll take three consecutive you know, sabbatical years. Um, I think that'd be my number one choice, because uh, he has the know-how. Um, he knows how to uh, maneuver the press. He's a very good... Um, Game manager, if uh, if the team goes down, he makes the right substitutions. Sometimes they're a little bit crazy. He'll put Dybala in the midfield. He'll uh, he'll throw Cuadrado in as a right back, and that turned out to be pretty successful. But I think uh, Inzaghi is a good coach. I'll give him that. I don't think he's intercaliber. I think that um, if we were going to stack Conte, we should replace him with someone that's already won, someone that's been there and, and succeeded. Because the, the, the team's there. It's, it's not that like we need a major revamp, but the pieces are there to win. I think someone that plays with a Tequartista and that can integrate Ericsson again, I think that's a plus. Someone that's not going to scream, uh, as you said, you know, every every time he loses and finding excuses, I think that Allegri is better at that. I think Allegri's uh, track record in Champions League is also... Uh, much better than Conte. So I think that he's um, the right guy for Inter. He um, he knows how to uh, handle big players. He managed Ronaldo. He, may, he he won six or five consecutive Scudetti. So if if I were the Inter board, that's who I'd replace him with. Um, 
second content midseason would mean that we are eliminated from the Champions League and maybe ten points behind Milan by Christmas. At that point, then then we do make we we, we need to make this change immediately. If not, I think we let him stay for the season and then sack them at the end. Yeah, I would uh, I, I would take Allegri in a heartbeat. In fact, I really really thought a couple months ago. When you know a few months ago, when Inter had that the Inter management had that big meeting with Conte after Europa League, uh, the Italian media really thought that was going to lead to a resignation or a mutual parting in the ways, and that Allegri would be you know appointed you know within a matter of days. It didn't go down that way. Uh, I want to get uh, the Laziali uh, to weigh in. Uh, first of all, I mean Nando, um, you know, a summer or two ago, I think two summers ago. It really looked like Simone Inzaghi might be ready to, to take a different step in his career. He was linked to Juventus before Sadity took the job a couple of summers ago. You know, his, his name has been thrown out there in, in some foreign clubs in the past, but, um, he's really, really blossomed at Lazio and obviously getting Lazio back to Champions League and, and a good start to the Champions League campaign, even though an uneven start to Serie A. Uh, do you think Inzaghi could be around for a few more seasons? Do you think this might be his last year there? Uh, how long-term do you think Simone Inzaghi's tenure is going to be at Lazio? I think Inzaghi has a carte blanche at Lazio. Basically, he leaves when he wants to leave. Uh, point, like Final point. Point final, as we say in French. So I'm, I, I live in Montreal, so I'll mix in some French here. But, yeah, uh, Simone has a... Basically, a, a clean state, blank state a lot. So you can leave whenever he wants. But that being said, I think he's going to stay for at least another two, three seasons. I mean, every year we get the usual, I don't know, he's linked with Juve, he's linked with PSG. But, like, that's just because our owner, as Jerry knows, Claudio Lotito or Claudio Lotirchio, because he's a little cheap, doesn't like to get the players that he wants. I mean, how many seasons now we go through the summer mercato with, being linked with, I don't know, XYZ players and we get, I don't know, uh, some garbage from some other third-rate league in the world, you know what I mean? But What's I up mean, with your boy Murici? Like, well, what is he doing? Uh, it was $20 million to come over from Turkey and yeah. stink up the joint. My, my okay, listen, I, I, I still have, I'm, the verdict is still out on Murici, Faris, and all these, these lovely players we signed. I still have faith because... These guys came in literally at the last day of the transfer window. Murici came. He had COVID. He couldn't change with the team. So, listen, no one's had – we haven't had a full squad until, let's say, this weekend. And Murici is still missing. So, uh, we got to give Faris time to adapt. He tore his ACL, MCL last season, was out for the entire year, played about five or six games with Spal towards the end of the season, and they were already relegated. So, it didn't really matter. So, he needs time to adapt. Murici was the – a center of attack for Fernabache, and now he's coming to a system tailor-made for Chiro Immobile, who is arguably the second-best strike in the world at the moment. You know what I mean? So it's like you're transiting from the Turkish league where you have a lot more space in between defenders to Serie A, where it's like very tight, where you're tightly marked. So it's a question of him adapting to the play. Like, listen, he he plays well for Kosovo, and the last game he played for you uh, for Lazio, which was against Zenit St. Petersburg, he asserted himself pretty well, and it was denied an amazing save by their goalie who has literally robbed us two, three other goals that we should have scored. So I think he'll come good. So will Farris. And I just want to back up, uh, piggyback on your points. I do think Allegri is the pragmatic choice for Inter. And uh, now I don't think – Inzaghi is Inter level, uh, just, but I just think Inter need a, a Hollywood coach. And, and Allegri is that guy to fill that, fill that gap. 
Conte, like you guys said, is a big loudmouth idiot. Uh, he he's to me he's the fifth or sixth best coach in Serie A right now. He's he's way past his expiry date, and I think uh, I think you guys need to can him right now and get Allegri on board. Yeah, um, unfortunately, I don't see it going down that way because he's just quite frankly too expensive to can unless things really get catastrophic. I think that the scenario that Gianfranco pointed out there that you know if they were 10, 12 points out and uh, of Serie A, of Scudetto and eliminated from Champions League, then that would probably force the board to do something drastic. Uh, I just don't think they want to, at this point, unless things get really bad, to eat his wages. They're still paying Spalletti, um, you know, unless they were to just bring Spalletti back and still only be paying two managers, which doesn't really make any sense, but uh, it, it's a really tough situation they're in. Uh, Jerry, you know, I think... Uh, Nando hit on a lot of notes uh, that you agreed with. I noticed you nodding a lot. And by the way, that is the freshest Lazio jacket I've ever seen. I'm not a Lazio fan, but I would wear that jacket. Like that is a really, really nice piece of gear you have on there. But um, credit to Nando, that's where I actually bought it on the Lazio style. So <laughs> good I job, actually, Nando. Yeah, I credit Nando. Actually, it's funny he's on it, and I'm wearing this. I've only worn this twice, maybe. I actually bought it the same time he bought his jersey. So credit to him. He he's the guy who got me my mugs. Uh, I got a Cheeto Bear, a little Cheeto Bear keychain. Freaking yeah! So credit to him because I I never knew that Lacho style cha- had like a site. It has additional stuff that Macron actually doesn't sell, like doesn't have on their site. The next time, Jerry, you got to go to Rome and go to the official store. That's your next step. And your last. He was gonna go to Rome last year, and COVID COVID fucked up his trip. I know. I'd be gone. We'd be stuck in Italy for maybe two months. Yeah. Fuck. You had, <laughs> it could be worse things, although you wouldn't have been able to go outside, so that would have kind of sucked, actually. I was going to say, being stuck in Italy wouldn't be so bad, but you would have literally been stuck inside your hotel room because they were locked down, like severely locked down. I mean, maybe you guys in Canada had real lockdowns. I live in Florida. The lockdown is like an air quotes. Okay, lockdown, I'm still going to go hang out with 40 of my closest friends without a mask on. That's how we locked down in Florida, man. Um <laughs> but uh on that note to be jerry uh, you seem to agree with a lot of what nando said uh when it came to simone and zaghi and, and patience with some of the players well yeah how many lazio fans i've seen said marici bust 20 million down the drain Vadas, bust eight ten million down the drain it's like how can you judge this is not a normal season it goes for any team even for inter and with Antonio Conte and having his players additionally come in late too. He had a few players that, that joined late. This is not a normal season for any club. So I'll answer your question. No, Simone Inzaghi would never go to, to go, go to Inter. I, I wouldn't even think he would consider it. Second, just the fact that, okay, so he has these players you said they would adapt to Inzaghi. I don't think all these players would adapt to, to what Inzaghi wants. I can see a Lukaku, yes. A Martinez, does a Christian Eriksen maybe fit with him? Maybe not. I guarantee you he doesn't play Gallardini the same like Conte does. I can guarantee you that. Um, the back end, there's a lot of question marks. He, he'd probably say, fuck you, Kolarov. I don't want to see your face ever again. Um, and that's the man we need. <laughs> Someone who says, fuck you, Kolarov. That's who we need. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Isn't that the most... Isn't that the strangest transfer of, of, of for Inter in the summer? Alexander Kolarov? I have no idea. 
no sense. I thought yeah. he would work out as a fullback. I, I didn't know Conte was going to rely on him as a center back. I thought that he was going to be back up to Paddy's each as a as the five man uh, winger, but as a center back, he just cannot hold that much uh, space. Uh, with the four man defense at Roma, he did a decent job, but that was in his natural position for his entire career at Man City at Lazio. He he was always a fullback, and I mean, you cannot put him as a three at the back. Skriniar in his prime couldn't adapt quickly in, in, in the three-man defense. Imagine a 35-year-old. It's, it's, it's not going to work out. And I thought we were going to keep uh, Godin. So the fact that we gave up Godin to keep Skolarov is horrible. I would have been happier if Skolarov was just, you know, your reserve player that gets five games a season. That's, I have no issue with that. But the fact that uh, Conte really counted on him in the first few games really, really did big damage. I think... Uh, Against Milan, he caused both goals. Um, against Fiorentina, I don't think he made anything right. I, th- I think he's a huge disaster. Yeah, I think against Fiorentina, he caused uh, the two of their three goals, and yeah, both the goals against Milan as well. I mean, they, and you're right. Uh, at the time that that he was announced, I thought, okay, this is a backup left wing back, and they're essentially going to lean on him uh, as like a, a set piece special just a free kick taker we we haven't really seen him uh, flex yet doing that we've only seen him play center back and, and give up goals left and right and left left and right uh, I, I want to ask you John Franco because you you brought up the name Christian Erickson a couple times and uh, I, I think it's pretty clear that he's not long for this project um, he and Conte have you know clearly not figured out a way to mesh with one another and I say it that way because I don't necessarily know who's more at fault here uh, Conte or Erickson. I think it'd be pretty easy to say Conte, but you know, uh, all of my uh, friends who support Tottenham were warning me about Erickson before he arrived, and I think you're seeing some of the same attitude problems. Uh, you know, follow him to Italy. Uh, so, it, but clearly, um, my impression on Erickson, he's capable of being a world class player. He's been a world class class player before. Um, I, I just think, unfortunately, he's likely to be sold in January. So h- how would you feel about uh, things potentially playing out as they're being rumored, a uh, potential Ericsson departure that would mean a Rodrigo DePaul uh, arrival as soon as January? Because uh, for me, um, if that's a player that Conte covets, and obviously I've been watching DePaul for a long time at Udinese because uh, he's been linked to Inter in so many transfer windows. Is that a move, uh, and not saying they get swapped for one another, but it's essentially would be inter-swapping uh, Ericsson to bring in DePaul. Is that a move you'd like to make? I think short-term, it definitely suits the team better because you're giving Conte a weapon that he could actually use. Ericsson, you're, you're wasting him on the bench. But here's the thing. Maybe next year, maybe, God forbid, two years, but Conte will one day no longer be the inter-coach. And the next inter-coach, the first thing you'll ask Steven Zhang is, I want an offensive midfielder, someone that can good, a playmaker, Someone that can make the right pass, and we and we just sold Ericsson. so we're back <laughs> to square one. Uh, finding these players are very rare. It's uh, it's like the Wesley Snyder for for um, Mourinho, obviously not to that level, but it's critical to have someone um, of that caliber, especially in the, some of the interest more stale games where we don't really create too much in the midfield and and we start getting dominated dominated there, we, we could definitely use someone that's more creative that can move the ball around. Um, I think DePaul could do that. I think that prime Conte at Inter was when we had Sensi. Sensi was the guy that, with all those back passes, he could connect the, the defense to the offense pretty quickly. And uh, I don't think any of the other players could do that. 
Now, if I were Conte, I would go, you know, I'd try one last time and move Ericsson further back as a regista and see if maybe he can do some long passes because I think what's really hurt Inter, especially this season, is when we're stale in the midfield, we cannot fight back. We're stuck with the ball in the defense, and it doesn't move further up. And with Sainzi, before he got injured, he, he was our star player for that reason. He, I, I remember this play against Barcelona where it started off with Andanovic making a pass to the defender, and then Sainzi linked up the ball from the defense all the way to the opposition. He almost scored a great goal. Um, so someone like Paul would definitely be good for the short term, but it's going to really, really hurt seeing Ericsson go because we've seen in Inter's history so many other great players get sold way before they uh, they had a chance to develop. Uh, Andrea Pilo, Sedorf, let's go on Cannavaro. Um, the guy went to Arsenal. What's his name? I'm forgetting. Uh, Ooh, I don't he went to Arsenal in the I don't 90s. remember that off the top of my head. Dennis Burkamp. Burkamp, oh, yeah, Burkamp. Yeah, back in the Roberto back, Cargo. way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a history that we we just dumped these fantastic players, and uh, it's really going to suck to see this guy leave because international break, we saw how good he was uh, with Denmark. He he shows off what he can do. So I think that yeah, for for the short term, if 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 we want to win the Scudetto, if we want to do well in the Champions League, that Paul is definitely the guy to get. In, you know, my ideal world, we'd go for Luis Alberto, even though that's a little bit uh, of a stretch. But he has having, he's having some hard time with the management, his, uh, his uh, contract. So uh, hands, off, admire that hands, off, hands off our magician, please. And just, I like just, to piggy bank on that, actually. If Luis Alberto was to go, go to another team, he's not staying in Serie A. He's going back to Spain. I'll absolutely. Tell you right, absolutely. Right now, he is not going to play... When I hear people say, he's coming to Juventus, he's coming to Inter, no. As much as he's, he probably would like to play for those teams and they have that winning mentality, he go to Sevilla, uh, any any top Athletic place. Madrid, I think. Yeah, like he'll go somewhere where he can be back home with his wife, his kids. He is a mm-hmm. Spain, Spain guy. That's, that's what he's mentioned. He's always been rumored to Sevilla. Since last summer, they can't afford him. They, we, uh, he's going to go for like seventy or eighty million yeah. euros. Sevilla, I, I don't know. Sevilla's never spent more than thirty-five, forty million euros on a player. I think it was Jackson. Mar- no, Jackson Martinez went to Atletico, but I, I don't know. Sevilla doesn't spend much on players. So, wait, the, when does the contract expire? How, how much longer? Twenty-five. He just signed a five-five-year oh, okay. deal, and he's at cost con- control at three million euros a year. So that's why when I see all these rumors, yeah, okay, he he insulted like Lotito's plane, <laughs> but he's he's been known for these like stupid childish outbursts, and and Inzaghi's always been the peacemaker. Lotito is just a hot-headed Roman, will like get mad, and once like he starts getting the results, it's, it's gonna be fine. Like the only way I can see us selling Cla- uh, Claudio, <laughs> Luis Alberto, is if we have a ready-made replacement. Uh, which it's impossible to find. The guy was one of the best playmakers in the world last year. Who, who are we going to realistically replace him with? How are we going to replace 14 or 15 assists and 10 goals a year? It's impossible. So you just weigh him out till he dies, like till he dies on the pitch. You know what I mean? Till he wears, till he wears away. Same thing with uh, Immobile. I think DePaul can replace him. I, I, I'm not big on DePaul, guys, to be honest with you. I think he's good. It's a little bit of a step. Like, like I, I like DePaul, but, yeah, Alberto to DePaul is is a definite step oh. down. There's no question. I mean, yeah. you're you're talking about a player who's 
you know, um, I, I don't care what Udinese is asking for him, but he's less than half the value of Luis Alberto in my mind. Going to pay more than twenty five million for DePaul. In honesty, it's like yeah. so I know I know transfer prices are outrageous, but like players like DePaul that would pay twenty five million, even Andre Bellotti of Torino. I don't know. I think he's one of the most ordinary players in Serie A. They scores about oh, fifty goals sure. a year. And they want fifty million for him. I'm like, that's ridiculous. He's worth what twenty, twenty five max. He's not that. Yeah. Well, I, I, actually, since we're on Luis Alberto, I seen an article today, and it said that Luis Alberto's slumping. It's like on a decline. He has one assist in the last what twenty one games. Nineteen. Nineteen. Thank you, mm-hmm. guys. I think these stats are bullshit. To tell to tell me that Luis Alberto is on a slump. Is not the same player. What happened to him? Because he's not making, he's not getting assists. First off, we saw the game against Undinese. Whoever watched, he made a crisp pass in the first what five minutes to Correa. Correa has so many chances this season from Luis Alberto, and he hasn't finished them. Yes. Um, Chiro Mobley has missed a handful of games. The team has not been up to par. Up to twelve players have been missing. Um, Luis Alberto missed a few games because of COVID. You can't tell me he's not the same player. He's, I was checking the Serie A stats today. He's uh, seventh in the league of most completed passes or most accurate passes around there. I forgot what, what the stat was. It was, it was, or passes in the final third or something. Dangerous passes. I saw that. He's like number three in passes in the final third. This is a guy who, is not on a decline, has not stepped back. He's still playing at a high level. At the end of the day, he's making the passes. He's controlling the midfield. Um, a game like Sunday is, is going to be more difficult for him because he's playing alongside Cataldi and Parolo, and especially you're putting a Parolo who's played back-to-back games and he's 35 years old. I think that was a big mistake. Cataldi's not the player who we thought he is. Nando, you said a good point. He's a good player to come off the bench. We mentioned, uh, and, I, and I do agree with you. I think he can make a difference on the off the bench. Twenty minutes left because you're not expecting him to play a full game, and there's a limited liability there. He's coming on to give you something different to make yeah. a game changer. But Cataldi, he has decent passing ability. He has a decent shot. It's like I don't know. I was I was reading on Twitter that with our reactionary fan base, as we've discussed in the past, Jerry. That he's a city of B player. I'm like over one oh. match against Udinese. I'm like we forget last year when he was subbed on at halftime for Lucas Leva. The game against Atalanta, we were down three nothing. We came yeah. back high three three, and you what? He was controlling the mid. You know, I mean, he was laying off those deep passes to our wing backs, to Immobile, to Correa. It's like people quickly forget us. Our fan base is very very reactionary. I love them all with all my heart, but we can't react over one game where we lost against Udinese. Didn't Juve tie? Uh, who did they? They tied a team last Crotone. Crotone. And Crotone also. Crotone and Benevento. What do you have to, What do they have to say? You know what I mean? It's like these games happen. Like not yeah. for I agree. Real Madrid lost twice to Shakhtar. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's like like in the last two months, Real Madrid only beats Inter. It's it's the only the only team they beat. They can't win in Spain. They they can only beat Inter in Champions League. Yeah. That's it. But I, I, before we move... Negative on our players. Like, Kadadi's been on the team for, what, three years now? He's, 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 a, he's a capable sub. That's what he is. But before we shift off this, I want, I want to piggyback on some of the points you said before. You're right. Like, about Marici and about uh, uh, Fadis. Like, these players need to, to, to be molded in. And, and it's not just Lazio. It comes with any team. 
even Napoli, and look how many new players Napoli have, and they, they're still trying, they've even said that they're trying to build their chemistry, understand each other, how each player plays. But Damariki had COVID. He had a hamstring injury. Um, he finally got healthy, and then all of a sudden, he had to go play international play, which is bullshit because his whole Nations League and whatever the... If it's not World Cup qualifiers or Euro qualifiers, scrap it. That's just my opinion. Dude, go easy on that, man. I swear, the only sports bets I have won in the past month were on UEFA Nations League. I fucking cleaned up in Nations League. I can't win a Europa League bet. I can't win a Champions League bet to save my life. Nations League are the only bets I can win. No, Alex, you guys talk about missed bets. This Wednesday, I played a a five-game parley for the Champions League, right? I had uh, Lazio tied. I had PSG winning. I had Juve winning. I had Barca winning. The only one I missed was Chelsea and Sevilla. So uh, I would have done $1,000. Oh, my God. I ended up coming to Inter. It cost me $1,000. I can't believe it. It really just broke my heart. And you were never bet on Sevilla losing that badly to to Chelsea. No. Yeah. Those lame clubs that spends millions per year just stay stagnant. Uh, sorry, Jerry. Sorry, Jerry. I know you're a Chelsea fan, but it's like. Well, and, and think, and think about all the strikers they brought in, but it took yeah. Olivier Giroud, yeah. Giroud, who's been there for yeah. a century to come on and score four goals. And I love Sevilla. They're my favorite Spanish club, but it's like, I'm like, when I saw that, I'm like, four nothing. I expected like one of the new exotic signings that score Werner, Havertz, uh, Zia. But it was Giroud, the 35-year-old. You know I mean, good for yeah. him. Like, he's France's version of Miroslav Klose, but like, Giroud isn't that good. <laughs> you know no, I mean? he's like, not. I think he's a good player. He's I, a very good player, but he's not four goals good. <laughs> right. No, right. you're right. But when you're playing around good talent, what they have, like, they do have a lot of good talent around him. But he's gone. He's gone in January. He's not staying. Uh, that's just my opinion. I think that's out the door. I think he's going to stay because he's, he has the hot foot right now, man. Lampard's going to abuse him until he doesn't score anymore. I don't know. I'm following Chelsea. Is Werner scoring or? That was his first, I think his past game was his first start this season. He hasn't started a game yet in the EPL. He's Ooh. come off, come off of the sub. Yeah. I think that's his first or second start this year, man. Oh, wow. he's like, he needs, he needs playing time to play for the Euros for France. Oh, no, I'm talking about Timo Werner. Right. Oh, he's Werner. My apologies. Um, yeah, he's he started many games this year. He's I caught the game against. How much uh, has he been scoring though? Yeah, he scored. You know, I watched the game against Newcastle. He missed like two, three chances. Yeah, but I think prior to that, he's got like six or seven goals this season. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think Nando's checking right now. I am. <laughs> I think he's got. I love. I love. I like Werner. I think Werner is like the real deal. I think this guy's gonna be a superstar. I'm I'm still on the fence about uh, Kai Havertz. I'm I'm I don't know about him. I don't know. I I feel like he can be a big bust, but he can be a big boom. So totally um, agree with you on on Havertz. Like I don't know. I like the probably what do they pay? Hundred million for him? Eighty ninety? I think it's way too much. Yeah, for a twenty-one year old, it's I'm like, eh, you can do way better than Kai Havertz for hundred million euros. You know what I mean? Not for anything. Real signed Eden Hazard. He hasn't worked out, but like you comparing prime Eden Hazard at twenty-seven years old for hundred million euros versus a guy who's had what two season, two good seasons in the Bundesliga. Uh, not not money well spent, in my opinion. So well yeah, said. I wish Hazard never left Chelsea. 
Werner has four goals and three assists. I think Hazard, four goals, three assists? It's not bad. Werner, yeah, it's, it's not bad, but I mean, would they pay him 70? He should be, should be scoring more. But, but Lampard's weird. He's played him on the wing. He's played him everywhere. It's like, I, I, I hate these coaches that take, buy these players. You buy a striker and you're playing him on the left wing. It's like, I don't know. I was listening to a pod, actually, um, Zonal Marking. And they said that when when you look back at a striker, the goals that should be that they should be recognized and counted for should be the open play goals, not penalty shots. Mm-hmm. And and Be yes. careful what you say about that, Jerry, with your Hold couple Conaniere. Hold on, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Golden that penalty shots is not a stat to like look at, but to There's say that, penalty shots, Jerry. Sorry. There's still a skill behind penalty shots. That's there all is. I have to do. Absolutely. I, I didn't get to that point yet. I still want to say that they have to take into effect some of those penalty shots are well-earned. You know what I mean? He earned a penalty shot against Undinese. It was a poor pass, but he, he read the play. He took he took his run, and he got fouled in, in the box. That's it. So, for me, when I hear, oh, it's another penalty shot goal – but how did he earn that penalty shot? No, yes, okay, a lot of those handballs last year, a lot fewer the right call and a lot were bullshit. But we can say that for so many teams. I, I know everybody's gonna say Lazio's got the most penalty shots last season. They had 17 or whatever, blah blah blah. And yeah, okay, I get it. It's one season, most penalty shots. But people need to understand, like a lot of these penalty shots are earned, and and a guy like Immobile is gonna get most of the calls because the way he plays. His ability to run fast, try hard. He he presses the defense. He presses the goalkeeper into making mistakes, and he gets fouled a lot of the time, even with his runs. So when I hear, oh, penalty shot goals shouldn't be counted. They shouldn't be looked at a player's status and what he was done. First, I think a lot of those goals should be considered because you need to look at how it was earned, mm-hmm. why it was rewarded, like, awarded so it's so like i sometimes i i know that the penalty it's 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 a debate a lot of people think it's it's a it's it's an easy way it's easy goal well and and not to mention like i think it's easy for fans just to assume that every penalty shot is automatic i mean ask our guys latan how how easy it is these days to hit penalties i mean he's had a few bad misses this year um you know i I think people kind of take it for granted that you're playing a chess match with the keeper it's not only about placing the shot it's about trying to get him to dive the wrong way you know occasionally you might even you know throw a kukiayo into the mix like there is an art behind taking penalties there is and there is i'm just going to go on the back uh back on the immobile jerry it's like i think we had how many did you have last year 14 or something 14 14 14 penalties. Yeah, he had 20 open play goals and 14 oh, either 14. Yeah, so I think he earned out of those 14 like six or seven. That's pretty damn impressive if you think about it. Like mm-hmm. that's still a hell of a lot. And I, uh, I was thinking of big games against Juve. Um, again, I don't, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But he yeah. did a lot to earn them. The two against Atalanta, like he was fouled yes. in the box by Atalanta City B defenseman, naturally, you know what I mean? So I'm a big Atalanta hater, so I, anytime I have a chance... Yeah, Atalanta. Well, no wonder you and Jerry get along so well. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with the... Well, what about you, Gianfranco? You an Atalanta hater? Because uh, I, I think Jerry's talked me into being an Atalanta hater. Listen, um, it's not that I hate them, but 
it's Gasperini. Like, yeah, I hate Gasperini. I, I hate Gasperini. Hate Gasperini. Yeah. You know, it's not that I hate him. I hate his success because I, I, I love to see coaches that we fire fail. Like De Boer, he, yeah. he's gotten fired by like three other teams. Like he hasn't won anything. So I love to see that. I love seeing Mazzari fail. I love seeing Ventura <laughs> fail. I love but seeing this guy like succeed with like no budget, especially. You know what bugs me the most? It's their luck in Champions League. They were in top four. They got a Mickey Mouse group. Yeah. They won the last two games and made it to the next round. We got drawn against Dortmund and Barca last year, and and then he gets the uh, the easiest possible round and uh, with Valencia in the, in the round of sixteen. So yeah, I mean it, it's a nice story because uh, I mean I, I don't hate Bergamo, I don't I don't hate the Atalanta fans. It's more my hatred of Gasperini, especially his high pitched voice. If you hear this guy talk, he sounds like. <laughs> Like Mickey Mouse, is, is, I, I just hate him so much, and <laughs> the fact that he's being successful. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I'll give him this. I had Paco Gomez in my Fanta College for a couple of years, so he always comes in uh, handy. So I do appreciate the goals that he gets, but um, but I do not like uh, Gasparini at all. I can't wait to see uh, Atalanta implode and then get sacked. He is going to get fired this season. Uh, I think so. I, I think so. I think so. It's coming. It's happening, man. Like, he had to sub off uh, Paco Gomez because he wasn't listening to him. You know what I mean? It's right. like... Mutiny. He's coming, buddy. It's it's, it's coming, man. It's and I want to say on the record, I said on this podcast at the beginning of the year, the one team I said it was not going to repeat what they did last year and was a Cinderella story, and it pisses me off because it took away the spotlight of what Lazio earned last year, and they were the true story of 2019-20, in my opinion. Not because I'm a Lazio fan. It's just because the, the 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 records we did, the unbeaten streak, the winning streak, being one point behind Juventus, and this goddamn coronavirus had to fuck everything up. Yeah, we would have won, Jerry. We I, won. Yes. I and then. Then to hear the restart of the season, I have to hear Atalanta is the real deal after the break. If you want to tell me the story after, uh, after the break, who the real deal was, it's Milan. Yeah, yeah. Got to give credit yeah. where credit is due. Yeah, Milan. give credit, man. Milan's the team. Not this freaking Atalanta shit where, oh, we popped five goals. We popped six goals. Where are yeah. the goals now? Yeah, they popped five see? goals against, I don't know, who made, uh, that Wi-Fi password of a Danish team. What's their name? My, my, Thailand? I don't know. They are looking at me. This is something I'm going Yeah. Back on just just really quickly on Gasparini, there's another reason why you should hate him because doesn't he resemble Jeffrey Epstein a little bit? Oh, he, he does. does. He does. Yeah. I've never thought about that. That's just they, they, it. Might be the same guy. I, I know they say Epstein's dead, but at check in Bergamo. Is he right. Gasparini? <laughs> Not only is he an arrogant twat, but like doesn't he resemble Jeffrey Epstein? It's like he Jesus. Does. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I want to move on to. Uh, oh, go ahead, John. Frankly, your point. Go ahead. One more thing before I forget. The last thing I cannot stand about Gasperini, against Inter, he, he becomes Mourinho on steroids. We, we we barely beat Atalanta. It's almost always you lose to them. But when we need Atalanta to do us a favor against Juventus, he just bends over and loses like 4-0, 3-0. I don't think he's beaten Juventus one time. And I keep seeing this meme that he used to work for Juve as a youth coach. And I saw a picture of him wearing the Juve jacket. So maybe he, he always... uh let them win, but it's ridiculous that against Inter, he always beats us, and against Juventus, he always falls flat. Yeah. He's an ignorant bastard, that's what he is. An ignorant I, bastard. I, I want to get into, uh, I want to get into Champions League uh, scenarios uh, for, for Inter and, and Lazio to get through the group stage. Obviously, it's it's really 
complicated for Inter. It's not nearly as impossible as we thought it would have been, but you know certainly have to thank uh, Shakhtar for blanking Real Madrid uh, and then Inter coming through in a wild game against Mönchengladbach this past week. So what Inter needs to get through, uh, they have to beat Shakhtar. And they, they did beat them in the Europa League last year. They outplayed Shakhtar in the group stage earlier, but, you know, it was a frustrating nil-nil draw. So Inter is certainly capable of beating Shakhtar. There's no question about that. They also, though, they need for the Real Madrid-Borussia Mönchengladbach game to not end in a draw. They need one of those two teams to beat the other. If it's a biscotto or if it's any sort of draw, uh, Inter will not qualify no matter how much they beat Shakhtar by. So they need a result in the other game. They need to win their game. Uh, how, how do you think it plays out, Gianfranco? Because I'm, I, I'm strangely, I'm strangely optimistic. I feel like in a normal year, okay, in a normal year, something would go wrong, right? Either, either Inter would win and then the other two teams draw or the other, or, or one of the other two teams is getting a result and then Inter gives up like a 94th minute equalizer to fuck it all up. But there's something about 2020 where up is down and down is up. And it, it actually, it looks as though Inter is rounding into pretty decent form. I mean, the three nil at Sassuolo was impressive. Uh, they made a couple of mistakes against Mönchengladbach, but, uh, attacking wise, they had a really solid performance in that game and Lukaku played like an absolute monster. So in a weird way, I'm expecting Pazza to be like anti-Pazza and, and Inter is actually going to get some luck. You're shaking your head. You disagree. You think something's going to go wrong. Not wrong, but definitely Pazza. Come on. You, you support Inter. In, in the last five years, the important games we've won against Lazio in 2018, against, uh, who was it, Empoli, the, the following year yeah, to get Champions Empoli. League. It's always a heart attack. So, yeah, maybe we, we do go through. But it's going to be uh, like a 1-1 one, one until the 95th minute when Lukaku scores the Oh, and it wouldn't even be winner. Lukaku. It would be like Darmian would score the game winner. Like no, something see, crazy. You know, the last minute they see no goal. That's always a a classic. But but yeah, look, I'm more worried about Inter winning the game than any possible Biscotto because um, at the end of the day, if if Shakhtar wins or draws, and the Madrid game ties, then Real Madrid's out. So they have no interest in, in tying this game. And if Inter sees that this game is being tied, if our contest, okay, throw the game at the 95th minute because I don't want to go to Europa League. Europa League, the Thursday game is really get in the way. I would rather have the full week to recover and focus on the Scudetto. Yeah. Because, I mean, if, if Inter wins the league title, then we don't have to worry about the UEFA ranking. We'll still be in pot one no matter what. So I think you have to do the calculations there. But um, but I, I really do think that it will go down to what Inter does. I think that even though a draw eliminates us, I'm not too worried about the other teams. I think there'll be a result. I would love to see Real Madrid get knocked out. I don't Me know too. if you know that uh, that Twitter account, that Spaniard, uh, he's obsessed with Inter. He keeps calling Inter, Chievo de Europa. Yes, Aziparte. Uh, oh, I, I want to I slap that guy in the face. Oh, same. So, like, if if for some reason... Well, what's his name? Like, Vincenzo Aziparte. It's this... It's this Vincenzo. Yeah, he, he, he's like a... He's a Spanish uh, media guy, and... What was he's a I, politician. I think, he's a politician. He's a politician. Okay, I wasn't even sure. I, I, I think... Better. I think what it was that pissed him off about Inter was uh, three summers ago when Inter was trying to sign Modric, and he like he just I think he was so annoyed with like Inter trying to sign Modric from Real Madrid, and so 
he's been referring for the last three years to Inter as the Kievo of Europe and like every dude. He's not wrong. I hate to admit that. <laughs> I, I know. I know. And it's almost like I can respect a good troll, right? Even if he's dissing my team, the fact that there's a Spanish politician that is paying attention every time Inter loses, this guy tweets about them being the Kievo of Europe. Like I, I, I can respect his hustle, right? Like it's, it's kind of funny. Look, if we're Kievo de Europa, Juventus has to be like Brindisi of Europa because we have more Champions Leagues despite them playing nine finals. So uh, we can be Kievo, but then they're definitely like a Serie C or Serie D side. I mean, that's that's absolutely embarrassing. You know, yeah, we we take our, our embarrassing losses from time to time. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. With Gaspadini, we lost to that Turkish team at home, uh, 1-0. Uh, yeah. I'll never forget that loss. So we, we do have some, you know, laughable moments, but... Um, it's funny, we live rent-free in this guy's head, so if, if by some reason we go through and Madrid gets knocked out, enter Twitter, we'll, we'll never let that go. I think you have to deactivate. Well, and, and also, like, um, I, I don't know how much I can actually believe the Spanish press, because they're, they're pretty wild, but... There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of chatter that um, if Real Madrid gets knocked out, that that's it for Zinedine Zidane, that, that he gets sacked after that. He... Absolutely not. That is not happening. Goodwill with the previous stint with all the Champions League titles. What, what do you what do you what do you guys think about that? I don't, Bad idea. I don't think so. If there's a replacement, why not? Right? Um, they don't. Have, they're not paying anybody else, are they? Are they? No. See, no. like. They're not tied to anybody like like a Inter is say. So uh, if there's a, a replacement they see that can can take him over, then yes. But yeah, it's the problem is who do you replace him with? Who's available? Allegri. Allegri. <laughs> oh no, yeah, hands off. Hands off. That's ours. Allegri. Inter already Inter already have first dibs on on Allegri, so. I don't know, maybe Sarri goes to Real Madrid. Imagine that. There's even Arsenal who's been rumored to go with Allegri as well. But the problem with Allegri is he's, this guy's not going to come mid-season to take over a team. Yeah. I think. He wants to start fresh in the summer. I bring my players in. I want my team. That's how I roll. Or if you're willing to spend in the January transfer market, then then that, that's a... Uh, so it's 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 expensive uh, way to go, but I don't see him going personally. And I think Inter is gonna somehow come out top two. You said a good part, a good part, a tie. Real Madrid, a, a tie for them is not good if uh, yeah. Inter ties. So I didn't think about that. That's a very good point, and that that really changes the outcome of Inter's game because no longer does Real Madrid think, oh, a tie benefits both sides because if inter ties they, they need to go all out for a win madrid like that's that's and that's good because you don't want madrid and um where were the also freaking play i forgot just one blank uh, you don't want two tie two teams sitting back all game nope. just playing for that tie and i know as much as it, it, it to me it's like i call that fix but it's not fixed in a way because they don't that they're going to just preserve what's best for them, right? But I, I just—it's good that the fact that all teams have scenarios makes the intergame much better and, and gives them a lot, a bigger chance. And I think that someone's going to win that Madrid game, and I don't know who's going to win, but I just feel that something is going to come Inter's way. Just, just the last two games, Inter has looked much better. They've looked more stable. They're starting to respond to Conte. They look 
more positional, everything, just the game around. I know it's it's only two games, but this is the the right time for Inter to start playing well. And like like we said, Inter's got so many new players, things still adjusting. I know Conte, a lot of people don't like him. I like him. I think that on a good day, Conte can be one of the best managers. He just needs to get that consistency. That's all. Well, and the other thing is, like, um, uh, people seem to forget, and, and I, I liked when Nando was talking about how reactionary Lazio fans can be. Uh, obviously, we know the same thing is true for Inter fans, and, you know, we think about, um, and obviously Lazio has been ravaged by COVID, you know, in a way that few squads have. Uh, Inter also had their COVID issues. Like, there was a time, you know, when they faced uh, Milan, uh they had uh, six players out for COVID and, and also Stefano Sensi out for injury. So uh, they, they've been hit pretty hard as well, uh, but they've, at least for the time being, they've gotten through that. And, and it's, you know, that the most complete the squad has been health-wise all season long. So I, I don't think it's any coincidence that they seem to be getting into some kind of form. I think sometimes when people react and they'll say, oh, this squad is in chaos, this is a crisis, these guys are shit. Like sometimes you need to take a closer look, uh, and I, I don't mean any of you guys. I just mean in general, people need to take a closer look, you know, at, at what sort of issues injury-wise and this year COVID-wise squads are going through. But l- let's get on to uh, to Lazio's scenario. So Club Bruges this coming Tuesday, and and Nando, what is it? Lazio just needs any result, right? A draw even gets it done. Uh, yeah. What are we looking at? I, I think we spanked them four one, four nothing, four one. Oh, I agree. I uh, agree. I think this team has some sort of medal in Europe. It's like we honestly we should have beat Zenit the first game. Uh, Sergei just a last minute shot just missed. like we should have won our two games against uh, Bruges and Zenit without our full squad. So like I don't know. Like I said, reactionary fans are just saying, "Oh, this, this is a game we could lose." No, that's in the Champions League is a completely different monster. We have medal. I think we're gonna spank the living hell out of Bruges, and Sunday we're gonna be close. Immobile masterclass, something is going to come up. Like It's going to be a vintage Simone Inzaghi win. And call me crazy, but I think for once in their life, I think Zenit is going to get a result against Dortmund because, I don't know, I really don't rate this Dortmund team too highly. Um, we we played them off the park in the first game. Uh, yeah, okay, they had a few uh, 20 minutes of pressure where they were where they were down to nothing, but, I don't know, we dominated that game. We won 3 nothing, And honestly, we should have beat them last game on their home turf. It's like they had that one chance where they scored. It was good. Uh, we had chances too, but I don't know. Towards the end of the last 20 minutes, we dominated. We should have won that game. Flat out, I think Lazio is going to win 4-1, and, and they're going to win the group. I think the, Jerry, the, the biggest issue, I think the biggest issue in the last game was that Lazio started too slow. Yes. Not for five minutes. I don't know if you remember that. Like Dortmund had possession for a good five yeah. minutes. Yeah, you're right. Like I thought the first half Dortmund kind of controlled the play a lot. And, and it wasn't that they really had chances, but they just controlled them. We didn't give them much. But when they did have a chance, I'll give them credit. It was it was a decent chance. Yeah. But the biggest mistake was Pepe Reña, and I don't. The thing I don't like about what goalkeepers do is they just kick it from the back out. And they give it right to the opposition. And my, my wife knows how much I hate that. I, 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 it's my biggest pet peeve. I don't like it because don't just kick it away. Because first you catch your defense out of position. You're on the counterattack now. You're not, you, you don't react. Like everyone's, that whole play was all broken down. 
It didn't, you don't need to kick it. I know you're good with your feet, but sometimes the, the simple pass from the back or just boot it far. Don't just do a cheap little pass in the middle. But I agree. Club Rouge, I, I honestly believe that last is going to kill him. Um, the first time we played them, we were missing 12 players. We had to field up six Primavera players to get a full squad list, okay? We were without Immobile. We were, we were out, uh, Luis Alberto was out, Lucas Leva. Um, those are just some notable players that we were missing that game, okay? Then against uh, Zenit, we were missing up to seven or eight players. Again, we didn't have Immobile. We didn't have Luis Alberto. We didn't have Lucas Leva. I say those three because they are key and central to our to our starting eleven. When those players are missing, it's much more difficult for Lazio. And I, and I know we do have depth, but those our depth has been used in Serie A. You see Stefan Radu being used in Serie A. Um, Parolo's being used in in Serie A. Akpa Akpo coming off the bench. Um, Caicedo has been used more in City. Uh, Vidat Marici was being used to to offset Correa and um, Immobile. But these things haven't been going to plan because of so many different outcomes on scenario situations, so many things. But Simone Zaghi deserves a lot of credit. And this guy has been able to to, to weather the storm. May it be Claudio Latito's big mouth. Um, but the Paruzzi uh, saga to the Luis Alberto saga. To, to everything else, but just in general, uh, they just look like a different team in, in Champions League. And I'm hoping, starting tomorrow, that that mentality they show at Champions League, they bring it to Serie A. That, or else, it, 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 or it could be that after next week, Lazio can start focusing on Serie A no longer mid-games mid during the week. So... Yeah, I agree with you, Jerry. I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be a wash. Like, I, we're, I don't want to underestimate Bruges. They're, they're a decent team. They, but I, uh, listen, it's, we're it's, at home. Yeah, we're at home. We have a, hopefully we have a full squad. <laughs> like, um, and you, I, I want to piggyback on that. We were also missing Lazzari. You saw that the last 20 minutes he came against Dortmund. He destroyed yep. that left flank. Like, I love Maruzic. I think he's a. I think he's an. I think he's a very efficient player, but he doesn't have that explosiveness that Lazzari has. That you know what I mean. So yeah, I think. Uh, I think he's important too. I think we're gonna. We're gonna qualify. It's call me crazy. I think we finish first place. Wow. Hey, real quick, guys, before we wrap up this episode, uh, I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on the next Serie A match day, only because I think a lot of people will probably listen to this episode maybe after. Uh, these Saturday games, because we're, we're posting this uh, Friday night uh, in the U.S., uh, early Saturday morning in Europe. Uh, but we have uh, at 9 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday, Lazio on the road at Spezia. So real quick, Nando and then Jerry, uh, your prediction, win and, and score against Spezia. I'm going to go 2 nothing. Immobile and Andres Pereira. who's going to get a rare start. Fucking son of a bitch. You took the shit out of my <laughs> You took the shit out of my mouth, man. My God. I actually was going to – I on my match preview, I wrote Lazio 2 nothing. I was actually going to say the same thing. I said I was going to say Pereira because I, I just feel that him playing with Immobile, it's like a Correa. Yeah. It's but more kinda, they, they, they have similar traits. And I was saying this to Avesto a, a on uh, on Twitter, and I was saying that – if if Vidat Marici is out, Pareda is a good option to use up front, and we saw a little bit 
against uh, Dortmund. And, and this is a player who's only played 100 minutes and needs to play more, especially how much work they did to get him on loan. He needs to be playing more because I think this guy has the potential. Like, like he, he is the Wesley Hoot of a forward now who didn't work out in the EPL, but can really work out in City A. And, and you know what? One last thing. Simone Inzaghi is probably the only manager I know that can bring players' careers back to life. Like, I don't know anybody else. And, and I'm not trying to, to say it's because it's Lazio, it's Luis Alberto, Chiro Immobile. Um, I'm starting to see Andreas Pereira, uh, Wesley Hoot. Like, you tell me a, a guy like Inzaghi who people say we got scrub signings and all of a sudden we, we bring these signings to, like, life and all of a sudden – Immobile is worth what? 50, 60 million. Alberto's what? 50, 60 million. Sergey Malinkovic Savage is worth what? 80 million. Like, you tell me how a guy like that can get the most out of signings that are what? 5 to 20 million? It's freaking, it's insane. Immobile is 8.5 million from Sevilla, summer of 2016. Yeah, man. That's the best 8.5 million ever spent in your life. (laughs) Seriously. I wish I had that kind of money to spend. Right. So uh, for <laughs> for for Inter uh, Saturday, uh, they're going to be uh, hosting Bologna at the Giuseppe Meazza. I, I'm going to go for an Inter W in this one. I'm going to say, uh, I, I'm I'm tempted to say clean sheet. I, I'm going to have Inter two nil. I think Lukaku brace in this one. He's he's red hot. I'm assuming he's going to start this game because he came off the bench in the last Serie A game. So I think Lukaku starts and score a brace. Gianfranco, what do you think? Um, actually, if you look at the recent history, Bologna, for some reason, always gives us a lot of trouble. Um, we ha- we actually lost uh, in Gale Pesquieto because of that Bologna game, thanks to Mr. Gagliardini, you know, my least favorite player of all time. So <laughs> I don't think we'll lose the game. I think that, you know, we'll, we'll win, but it'll be a very suffering, you know, 2-1. I think we'll probably go down at first. You know, we're going to start, you know, the first 30 minutes where Bologna dominates us, you know, 1-0. And I think we'll call back in. I, I see a Lukaku goal. I see a Sanchez goal. I think Sanchez has been a, a, an added that. value, especially. I think post lockdown, he's one of the best players, uh, say, yeah, uh, based on, on the form, of course. And, um, I think that people are too quick to put Martinez over, um, over Sanchez, but. I think for big games, I think it should be Sanchez. I think. I agree a thousand percent. Honestly, I, I have more faith. In Sanchez, uh, Martinez, obviously, he, he's capable of so much more just with his his youth and his athleticism right now. But as, as for a guy, I would actually trust to make plays in important games. I Right now, I trust Sanchez more than Lautaro. And there's a very good build-up between Hakimi, Sanchez, and Lukaku. They, they form a very good triangle that uh, Hakimi has not been as good as he wanted to so far. But whenever Sanchez is playing... He feeds him these really good balls, and Akimi can then get the right cross in, and then Lukaku finishes. I think those three players, when you play them together, that's that's going to be a very, very good offense. And um, I, I see Sanchez getting on the score sheet. And if I were Conte, I would definitely consider starting Sanchez for arguably the most important game of, of the season right now. If we if we go through the next round of the Champions League, um, it definitely gives us a, a lot of hope. Uh, other than Liverpool, I really see Inter can beat any of the one-seeded teams uh, right now. I think Barcelona is number one. Borussia Dortmund will win their group, I think. Um, 
I think Man United will likely win their group, Chelsea. So out of all the remaining one-seed teams, I think only uh, Liverpool and Bayern, the, the two teams Bayern. that Inter cannot yeah. play for, any other team, Inter can beat and then make a quick run. I mean, lo- look what Roma did in 2018. They they made the semifinals with a much weaker team. So in Champions League, you need just one or two games, and then you, you're you on, on a good roll, and you can go as far as you want. I don't think we'll win it, obviously, but... Again, if we if we make it to the next round, I don't think Inter will just get battered away. I think they'll they're there to fight, and um, I think it'll be um, I think Saturday will be a good reflection of what what we can expect. Um, I expect a little bit more of, a, of suffering. <laughs> I don't think it'll be an easy game. Um, no way Andanovic keeps a clean sheet. He just can't do it right now. Uh, uh, I think Orsolini. Um, uh, there's Musa Barro. There's just some good Bologna players. I think Mihailovic is not a bad manager, so uh, they're going to definitely show up to, to to win this game, but I think that Inter will get the winner eventually. Well, we'll wrap up the episode on that note. Um, first, uh, Nando, is there anything you want to plug where people can find you on social media, anything you have going on? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at uh, Nando underscore Magnus. Um, I'm on Twitter. You'll see my random thoughts on Lazio. Um current events every now and then but mostly Lazio and soccer and just my my I sometimes vent out my frustration on Instagram influencers <laughs> oh see okay I, I I'm not sure if I follow you I need to add you because that that is my con that is the content I'm here I, for I think you do but you follow like thousands of people so I, I'm not that I'm not that important important on your list of followers but yeah I think you, you do follow I do we do follow each other Alex but yeah. well, you know, you know what it is? It's the algorithm. It's like yeah. the only uh, maybe if I comment on more of your influencer stuff, then it'll come up more often. I think. Yeah, it's like these uh, these one like these uh, one person owned websites that call themselves CEOs of uh, some fashion blog. I'm like, okay, where's your board of member? Where's your board and where's your <laughs> you know? What I mean, yeah, whatever, ranting. But yeah, like, find me on Twitter at Nando underscore Magnus, and uh, we can chat it up, talk. Calcio, football, Lazio, whatever you guys want. I'm always up for a good chat. What about you, Gianfranco? Well, uh, as you know, I'm the infamous Jordan Belfort on Twitter. <laughs> so um, most of my content is uh, pro-Inter and most importantly, anti-Juve. Um, yes. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, but um, the Perugia District Court has opened an investigation and... Um, Let's just say that it's not the first time that Juventus gets in trouble in Perugia. You know, in 2000, uh, they blew a certain <laughs> Scudetto there, thanks to Materazzi. So, you're welcome there. <laughs> so, we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't think they're going to stay at B, but it just reflects the fact that these guys still get away with cheating. And um, I know that, you know, some people will disagree, but uh, I think Calciopoli went too easy on you. But I think they should have really stayed in, in the lower divisions for a longer time because that the power and influence they hold is just too big in Italy that it, that that one investigation was never going to you know end their their corruption they have the Agnelli family is too strong so if you follow me on Twitter you'll you'll hear my rants against Juventus and especially uh, pro Inter so forza Inter great stuff and you can always follow me at Alex Dono Dono spelled D O N N O follow Jerry at J Mancini eight follow our show at Calchocon Pod Make sure you uh, you look for our pod everywhere where you can download, whether it be Apple Podcasts, um, Google, 
Spotify, everywhere pods are available. You can find us. Make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star rating, a review, and we appreciate everyone. So great stuff, Nando. Great stuff, Gianfranco. Great stuff by Jerry, as always. I'm Alex Dono. We will talk to everyone next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.